When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. So excited you decided to join us today. Uh... Before we jump in, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shooting machine on the market. You aren't going to find anything else like it. They are our sponsors because I own three of them, and I truly believe in this machine. I truly believe in the people that work there and the product. Uh, Mention Coach Unplugged, and they'll give you $400 off. Just say, Coach Collins sent me. Coach Unplug sent me, and they'll take really, 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 really good care of you. Trust me. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. 14-day free trial. Um, you're going to want to check it out before prices increase. You know, it's just that things happen. <laughs> Coach Collins has only got so many hours in a day. Go over and check it out. It's got the roadmap. It's got everything that you need to become a better basketball coach in one stop. You know, if you're looking for clinic videos, if you're looking how to break a one three one, if you're looking how to run a zone offense, if you're looking how – to, to pick an offense if you're looking for anything it's got it there for you as i hit my microphone oh well um it you know and it also helps us pay the bills helps us keep all these podcasts um the high school hoops and five minute basketball coaching podcasts and funnel down and all these things free to you um teachhoops.com is what pays the bills and keeps the lights on so um we'd love if you went over and check that out and let's head off to the podcast all right, welcome to Coach Unplugged. Coach, you're probably going to be in the 700s by the time this thing gets posted. I think we're in the late 600s right now. All right. Um, so, yeah, so let's be good. I've done a lot of these. So I think it, I think it was 2015 is when I started doing these podcasts. So, uh, but anyway, uh, so, Bert, I'm going to have you introduce yourself. Kind of what I, what I like to have people do is kind of tell us about your basketball journey. Um, kind of where it started. You told me that a little bit before we came on air about that. And then how we got to the point where you're sitting where you are right now. And then we'll, uh, we'll dive into a couple other things after that. So turning it over to you. All right. I really, my basketball journey started in the Midwest. I lived in a small town in Illinois, but it was right. It's uh, right by Terre Haute, Indiana. So I grew up on the Illinois, Indiana border. 
And, you know, that's such a basketball crazy world. And there's so many historic gems. And um, my first grade teacher had been uh, Steve Alford's babysitter. And so I went and watched Steve Alford play in high school. Oh, so Uh, Newcastle, Newcastle. Yeah. Biggest high school gym, I think at the time, I don't, I'm not sure if it still is, but you know, his dad was his coach and, you know, I was living there. French Lake wasn't too far away. And my dad did some grad work at Indiana state when Larry Bird was there. And then he did more grad work uh, in 81 uh, when Indiana won. And so, you know, I, I was in a really good basketball environment really from the get-go the Big Ten was really really strong Um, you know Michigan was really good Illinois was really good back then with uh, Derek Harper and and some some people like that from way back and so um, we moved to we moved to California um, for a while and I my grandfather lived out there and his next door neighbor was the trainer for the San Diego Clippers uh, when they were still in San Diego. And so, um, you know, I got to see, I had Bill Walton lift me up in the driveway when I was a kid and, you know, I got to just see a lot of cool things and I just figured that's the way everybody grew up because I was so young. I I had no idea uh, that we moved here to South Carolina and at that time the ACC was really, really good. And so those were, that was in the mid eighties. And so, um, Michael Jordan had just won uh, his championship there in 82, then Balbano in 83, then Duke started coming along by 85 and 86. And, you know, Clemson is right by us. And Clemson had uh, Eldon Campbell and uh, Horace Grant and Dale Davis and a lot of good players. And so I, I just grew up in a lot of good areas for basketball. Um, so I started coaching when I was in uh, – college I started coaching uh, a middle school team um, and then I did that all the way through college and right right when I got out and uh, the middle school I was at was affiliated with the same school where where Kevin Garnett went to um, Malden okay and so yep just being around Kevin Garnett you know he's we're watching the last dance right now and seeing how competitive Michael Jordan is and you know, anybody in the NBA will tell you that Kevin Garnett's the only one that ri- really rivals Michael Jordan. They, they even put him over Kobe Bryant for the kind of uh, competitiveness that he, that he brought. And it was cool to be around that. Um, so I, I, I did that. And then I, I got my first high school job in Washington, D.C. Uh, then I came back here to South Carolina to Malden High School, coach for a little while. I got to start a program in Atlanta. And uh, by year three, we made our first Final Four. We made five Final Fours in a row. And during that stretch, I won three straight state championships. Um, and then through that, I got this job in college. So that's kind of a fairly quick overview of how I got to where I'm and at. And tell people where you are right now. I'm in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, you know, Zion Williamson was from right around this area. And uh, in fact, he had to play a couple of games at our our facility because he blew up so much his much. senior year. We came, we played in a tournament down there. Is there, is there like Dunham or St. The, Dorman. Uh, yeah. Dorman. The state, yeah. Dorman uh, state farm. Yeah. Class. Yeah. That, that gym's huge. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's like that's arena. Right yeah. That's, that's better than a lot of college gyms. It is. And it's, I, I, I swear they had like a Chick-fil-A inside their cafeteria. Like, yeah, they do. 
They it's do. like, how does that work? It's, <laughs> my guys are looking at me like, what are you? And then we went, okay, so you're going to remind me because there was a place where we went to get seafood. Oh, man. You know what I'm talking about? And it, it had yeah. hot, uh, and it was kind of, you lined up and you got the food and they pounded it into a big. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember the name of it. The um, Beacon. Huh? The Beacon. The Beacon. Yep. Yep. And the boys started, they had like contests on hot sauce. That was not a good idea. No. The no. <laughs> Luckily, no. it was the between games, I think. But, oh, the food was really good. I mean, they they mounted it on top of, of yeah. the Beacon. I do remember it was the it's Beacon. It's bad for your arteries, but good for your, good for your palate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for your wallet, too, because it was, it was right. pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's let's have you share your screen. Let's talk two two one for. And do you run the do you run the two two one? So where I'm at now, this is my my third year at the college uh, level here, and I'm just this this year is my first year where I was able to uh, start to have some guys that could press, and so I I was almost one hundred percent divided. I had five seniors and six freshmen. And okay. <laughs> So, and tell me about the school. Tell me a little bit about Bob Jones. Um, private Christian school. Okay. Uh, the, the sports program is pretty new. Uh, we are we are considered provisional D three because it's a couple year process. But you know we're, we're we're to the point where you can we can have the logos on the floor and we can you know we compete against other D three, but we're not eligible for postseason play yet or anything like that. And so we're. In this part of the country, it's not like where you're at. Uh, we're the only D3 in South Carolina. So, no. So the rest are – there's a lot of D2s and NAI schools around, but we're the only D3. So all of our games will, will be out of state when that happens. So and what, That's crazy. Like, Wisconsin doesn't have any D2s. <laughs> right. Right. Wisconsin has zero D2s. No, no, that, that's wrong. Parkside's a D2. They have one, they have one D2. Um, but Minnesota has – that's yeah. funny. Yeah. That's, that's interesting how NAIA in Division Two is more than, than D3. Yeah, like the, the WEAC could almost be D2 in our uh, – they're so good. The WEAC's very good, like with Oshkosh. Yeah. I mean, you think of all the good coaches that have come out of Wisconsin D3. Right. You know. <laughs> right. Bruce Dick Pearl. Bennett, you know, yeah. Bo, Bo Ryan, you know, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. It's crazy. It is crazy. Yeah. Right. Okay, so uh, the two two one. So let's talk about the two two one and the stunts. So you go ahead. I'll just I'll be quiet and you go ahead and talk. Okay. You know, uh, my philosophy for my team is to have a player led team, and I think that. You know, hopefully we have a chance to talk about program building a little bit later, but I think, you know, everything you do is based on your philosophy. And I don't think that you can have a player led team in one respect, but then not let them lead in another respect. And so the way we play our offense, which is if you were to look at it, you would say it's dribble drive, but it's really like the next, the next version of, of dribble drive uh, where there's a lot more passing and, and quick movement. And then I think with defense, it's the same thing. Um, I think especially with pressing, you can teach your guys to read situations. And I call it our motion defense. And 
you know, you want to take yourself out of the equation as much as possible. Basketball doesn't lend itself to a lot of stoppages and, and correcting like a lot of coaches like to do in practice. And so, you know, if you're going to have this philosophy, then you need to run your practices that way. And right. you, need to, you need to let your players lead the practice. My, my players lead the first almost 30 minutes of practice without us saying anything. And they just know what to do, and they get after it. And is that and, the same? Is that the same for every practice, or does that change? Uh, almost every practice. Um, you know, sometimes it might. I mean, the later you get in the year, um, the more you don't really need to do that. But I want them. You know, coaches talk about man, we we keep getting off to a slow start, and I think the way you practice every day affects how you how you play on game day and so you know we we do 10 minute jump rope before we get on the court and then we get on the court and they they get right into a pressing game or a special situation whatever we've dictated for that day and you know we don't stop anything during that time we just film it and and we address it later but i i feel like since we can't stop it during a game and fix it we can't stop it during practice and fix it and right Obviously, we do in, in the first week or two, but uh, as we get going, I want them to jump rope and then get right to playing. And then, you know, during that first water break, we do some dynamic stretching and we do some talking about what we just did practice-wise. But I feel like getting right into it, if you're going to be a pressing team and a player-led team, I feel like that starts with when they walk on the floor. You can't get them together, have a little huddle, go through dynamic stretching, do some shooting drills, and then expect to play awesome from the get-go when the, when, in a game situation. I just don't think those two things are congruent. So right. everything stems from our philosophy. Um, you know, I sent you this. If anybody yep. wants this, you can. Yep. I'll put it in the show notes, too, when it okay. goes out. I'll put it in the show notes so people can. I am uh, I'm creating a, a course uh, to explain some of this and have some video of this on coach tube. Okay. So if, you know, if you or anybody wants to look at that, I'm not done with it yet, but, okay. um, break the other team's practice habits. I mean, I learned that from Morgan Wooten when I first started coaching, you know, it, it all comes down to that. And all of us know the personalities of the coaches in our league and most of the people that we play and you know what you need to take away right now before you ever go into the season next year most of us if we're doing our job should know our opponents well enough where you know what it looks like in your practice to take away the other team's practice habits and so all the things that are in this press you could never do all in one year right but if you if you pick some things that you know you know your league well enough to do you know, you can really mess with some people and break their practice habits if you pick the right things that fit your guys and fit what you're trying to take away from your opponent. Um, you know, it helps your defense be more aggressive and communicate. I teach my press before I teach my half-court shell. I just feel like my shell goes so much quicker and there's so much more tuned into it when I've already taught my press first. Because it's so, an easier sell, probably. Right. right? They all want to press and run, yeah. And so all I'm trying to do is build their mentality for the first couple of weeks. And part of building that mentality, um, you know, I'm not to the point where I'm at right now where, we have enough, where we've had enough um, games built up to do this. But at high school, you know, I would have 
how many times we held somebody to under 50 points or how many times, you know, we beat somebody by whatever, whatever my goals were. And I posted that, you know, at the, at the baseline on the court, on the wall there. And so the opponents had to see that we just held our last four teams to 46 points or something like that. And, you know, it was all about just building, you know, what was important to us and building that pressing, pressing habit. And, it's more a mentality than anything. And, you know, you can teach half court defense pretty quickly, I think, if you've taught the full court defense well. And so number eight down there, my half court goal, or really my defensive goal is to make them cross half court on the outer third, uh, so cross by the sideline there. And when you do that, that helps everybody establish their ball side and weak side early um, and, and, you know, at my level, you're, you have a, a shot clock and uh, it really, t we're really trying to get people to use a lot of time out of their shot clock before they ever get into anything. Yeah. And the thing is what I tell um, for people listening to what I say is you basically want them outside the volleyball lines. Cause most high schools have volleyball lines. Right. So if you get them outside the volleyball lines, you're good. Um, Cause most high school courts have a volleyball line and that outer third is outside the volleyball line, but. And so when it's on the outer third, I want everybody on my team to be on on that half of the court and just make it always look super crowded. And the only thing that should ever look remotely open is something, you know, 50 feet away. Right. And if that pass is able to be made, whether we're in a full court press or no matter what we're doing, if that pass is able to be made, there's no other there's no other problem than the fact that there wasn't enough ball pressure. It's an easy thing to, to know whose fault it was. And, you know, it's just like pressuring the quarterback. If the quarterback can see down the field, he's going to pick you apart all day. And right. you've just got to make that, that other team's point guard into the best dribbler ever and not let him pass through your whatever defense you're, you're trying to apply. Um, I choose the 2-2-1 alignment. I, I, I did a – a call earlier today with a high school program in Texas and you know what I'm not able to really show when I do this presentation but I, I like to talk about is Andy Landers was the women's coach at Georgia and he's got lots of notes that are out there he's got videos that are out there and all that but teaching how he teaches man-to-man -man defense is really where I start he's okay. got a guy on the ball and then uh the two defenders that are behind the on-ball defender, they're staggering the on-ball defender's shoulders. So the guy, the ball handler is always looking at the fact that he, if, if he dribbles left or he dribbles right, he's going to run into a defender. And when you teach that alignment that way, I think it's really easy to teach any press uh, once you've taught where the def off-ball defenders need to be in relationship to the ball okay. and, and how you rotate for that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, the two two one alignment. You know, I've coached from middle school up to college now, and I just think the the two two one alignment is the easiest thing to teach. It gives you the most flexibility for things that you want to do, and I think that you can use it whether you have whether you're coaching girls, uh, whether you're coaching unathletic guys, uh, whatever. For me, the two two one alignment. If I teach that, I can teach any of the stunts that go with it, I think, pretty quickly. Have you found that if, let's say I'm not as good as you, can I run it against you? If you're better than me, can I run the 2-2-1 against you? 
Um, like you're more athletic. You got better dribblers. Can I, and I'm not quite as athletic. Can I run it against you? Yes. Okay. You know, you, your pickup point may be different. Um, you see here what I have there on number four. Right. I, I like to put, if I have, if you have unathletic guys, most, most of the time they're probably going to be your bigger guys. And right. if they're playing and Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I don't mind putting them up front, front because they make good. It's hard to pass out of a trap that a big guy does if he's able to set it. But if he gets beat or, you know, if he sets a halfway decent trap, if you're, if you have two unathletic guys up front, then you have three athletic guys that are good at reading things and they can cover a lot of ground and erase a lot of mistakes. You know, I would rather my big guys get beat. 94 feet away from the basket and then have my three you know most athletic quickest guys be able to get back and and hold the lane if it came to that or or be back there for my interceptors and so I like that idea I like that idea one of the things we do is we two two one press off of every free throw and so whoever whoever is shooting the free throw is the front left of the two-two-one press. He just knows that he's going to drop back. So whether we make or miss it, if you think about where a two-two-one picks up, you know, that person has to take maybe two or three steps. And so make or miss, we know that we're right in a press uh, off of a free throw. And it's just, do you run, do you run your two-two-one on misses? Uh, I have before, uh, there was a coach uh, out of Louisville, sent a lot of people to play for Patino, both at Kentucky and Louisville. And I went and spent time with him. And I mean, you've really got to spend a lot of time doing it if you're going to be a team that does it. But I had a team that did it. And one of my teams that went all the way to the championship, you know, we just had a bunch of quick guys. We had nobody big. And that was the only way we were going to do anything. Sure. And, and so I have done it. Uh, but it it takes a lot of time to do it. It takes most right. of your practice time if you're going to be effective. Yeah, you got to practice it a lot. That's what I have found too. Yeah. yeah. But it's fun if you have – once you get to the point where the guys can do it, it's really, really fun to do. Yeah, if you have a bunch of guards, I have found it to be more effective too. It's like – and, the, and they're interchangeable in some respects. Right. Um, yeah. Um. Any other questions here? You nope, that's going? good. Motion. Okay. Nope, we can keep going. Uh, just some thoughts with pressing. Don't get beat the same way twice. And, <laughs> you know, you can. I do that on defense. I do that in everything. There's, you should yeah. never, you should never, I, I do it as you should never make the same mistake twice. Right. Like, <laughs> if you're not, if you're not hedging on this, don't get beat. I mean, I give you one mistake, but you shouldn't do the same mistake twice. I do that. I talk about that all the time on both ends of the court. But yeah, that's good. If you know, and so when it comes to scripting practice, you know, I've had two assistants, and I've had you know one be for the next game, and then the other assistant be in charge of the scout for the game after that, and you know, getting a good idea of what the other team wants to do against our press, and so you know, you are going to get beat. 
that's why you have to have some change up and some different looks and what I call stunts. And your team has to get to the point where they know which stunt will take away whatever just beat them. And, you know, you're not talking about 20 different possible things. There's only a really a couple of things that people can do, whether it's bringing four people all the way up to the ball or a one, three, one set, whatever. And if you practice those all the time, your guys will just get used to recognizing it and, you know, through film and through practice, they can get, they can understand what, what stunt they need to do and you don't need to call a timeout to fix it. And if you get your team to that point, you know, they, that, that really frustrates the other team a lot when your team is making changes on the fly and they don't need you to do it. And it sounds like it's difficult if you've never done it, but I would, I would challenge you to try it if you haven't and just see, see how your guys respond. Um, short memory, if you do get scored on, I hate it when we get scored on and we walk and let them get set up. If you get scored on, obviously if they just scored on you and they were breaking your press, they're all, they're all right there by the basket. And so, you know, getting a guy who can inbound it and throw it long, like Kevin Love, you know, right. that, that is really deflating for them to score and then us be scoring within, you know, three to five seconds. And I've had teams be, be really good at that. So, in effect, yes, you just scored on us, but we're we're back up the same point margin we just were within three to five seconds. So, congratulations to you for scoring, but right, it really didn't do a whole lot to hurt us. The wash, yes, right. Number three, you know, you don't get beat because of the type of defense you're playing. You get beat because of how you were playing that defense, and you know, you'll get fans or administrators, parents saying. Coach, they just beat you twice with layups. You need to get out of the press. Well, we don't we don't get out of half court two three zone or man right. to man when somebody scores on us twice. It's it's not the defense we're playing, it's how we're playing that. And right. you know, maybe we're the only ones in the entire arena that knows that. But, you know, if you gotta do it, you can't listen to what people in the stands say. They've got no idea what they're talking about. And if you have a pressing philosophy, you know, in my opinion, you need to have it long-term. It can't be something you get out of. You know, if, if we had six or eight points scored on us, that's the point that I would call a timeout. But that that is very rare for that to happen where I've got six or eight unanswered points. Um, so, like I say there, number four, you can't be half pregnant. And because you can't be half pregnant, I don't think you can be a halfway pressing team. And that if it doesn't work for a little while, then you go to something else. I really feel like if you want to be a pressing team, your players know whether you're doing it halfway or whether you're all sold out to it. And I think they'll be sold out if you're sold out to it. Right. Um, any press is more effective if you make them cross half court on the left-hand side. Uh, I found that to be really effective on the high school level. You know, if you think about how a lot of two-two-one presses are beat, especially the ball goes in to the inbounder's right, it comes back to the inbounder, then it's kicked over to the left-hand side, and that's exactly what I want them to do. And so a couple of these stunts that I have here are really just to make that happen. I don't care if they get it in, and I don't care if they go back. I want them to go to the left, and then somebody who's not used to dribbling really quickly down the left-hand sideline with his left hand um, you know, when the time's running, the 10-second clock's running down, all of that, 
I really feel like that's an undervalued part of pressing that, that people don't spend a lot of time on. But when I've had a lot of success, it's, it's because uh, a majority of the possessions they've had to cross half court on the left-hand side. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Um, every alignment, no matter what press you're doing, everybody, every alignment has two trappers, two interceptors, and one basket protector. And, you know, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're running the one, two, two either. I mean, it's, right. a, it's the same. Yeah. You, Anything yeah. you do. And so if you think about that, you're always going from one job to the, to another, you're never just a trapper and a press. If you're a trapper, you're quickly going from being a trapper to being an interceptor. And so the reason I, I, I talk about that is sometimes people think when it's passed out of the trap, my job's done. Now it's up to the rest of my team and it's, Nothing could be further from the truth. You know, as soon as it's passed out, you get your nose back in front of the ball because you're, you're go you are the next interceptor. Somebody else is about to be the next trapper. So going from one job to the other is something we practice a lot. And again, that might be undervalued. A lot of people value, you know, shifts or angles or different things like that. But I think what I just said before, crossing on the left-hand side and then going from one job to another, I think those two things have helped even my unathletic teams be able to, to press really well. And that, um, that takes practice. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does. Um, nothing easy is worth it. Nothing worth it is easy. So I, I feel like that's what it is when, when it comes to defense, you know. Um, I agree. Trappers, L-trap, uh, L-trap is made by the shape of your two trappers. And so the person, there's always in a trap, there's a person who's stopping the forward progress. And then there's somebody that's coming in from the side to close the, I call closing the jail cell, closing the door there. Okay. And that, that person's job is to bring his foot and straddle the other person's foot. So it looks like an L if you were looking at it from a, from an aerial view. Okay. I have them cross arms, and so above their head, it looks like an X. And I do that for a couple of reasons. You mean, what do you mean cross, like, I'm not, sure, I'm not yeah. sure I understand what you mean by cross <laughs> arms. Uh, let me stop share for a second. Okay. Uh, I have them do that. So that's, the, the guy that's trapping does this. Both yeah. of them do this. The two guys that are in the trap, if you think about it, it's hard to pass through that if you just pick the ball up. And it's hard for your guys to commit a stupid reach-in foul. So they're both doing this with their hands. Right. Okay. So there's, so, not, so there's not space on the side? I, I would throw uh, it over your armpit. Well, if they go down below, how, how much distance are they going to get on that pass? You know? Yeah, I agree. Because so my here, theory is always you want to break the, the windows. You know, there's a window right, above an ear, right. window above an ear, hips. And above so the I, head yeah i agree and so i take i take the most dangerous window away because you take I don't four you take three of the windows away right. above the head and both both ears yeah right. and i feel like i don't feel like in any defense you could stop everything and so i stop the what hurts us that pass over us that's long hurts us if you're in a trap and somebody tries to make a close pass you know that's not going to hurt us and so that's why I, like, I do that. So you're basically saying you got to pass downward, which is going right. to slow. I like that. I've never thought yeah. of that. And most right, of the time, most of the time, it's a, 
it's a bounce pass and which is fine because that gives right. me time to recover i love that okay right bounce passes don't hurt you so no okay you want them to to pass around you but never through you and so i don't i don't mind if they do that well and you know what i love coach that you just said too is i tell them 95 percent of the time you I don't want you to steal the ball. I want the guys when That's, I want to steal on right. the pass. Right. High school kids want to like reach and do all. It's like, oh my, ooh. <laughs> it's like no hair, you know, kind of thing. Oh my gosh, yes. Right. Okay. Um, interceptors, and so you've got your two trappers. We just talked about them, and my last point there is what you just said. Don't steal. It's never the trapper's job to steal. Their job is to trap. That's that's the name of their job. Right. Um, interceptor's job is to intercept. And so just like you read a quarterback's shoulders, if a quarterback's shoulders are facing down, if he's a right-handed quarterback and he's looking down the right sideline, you know, he's not going to throw it to the left sideline. You know by his shoulders where he's going to pass. And so interceptors are constantly asking themselves the question, what is the most likely pass? And then Don Meyer used to talk about the Doric press. If the ball get a lot of times, especially in high school, a big guy will inbound it because they don't want the big guy in there uh, receiving it against the press. And if a team gets it back to their dork, I'll lay everybody else off and I'll let that dork bring the ball up the court. We'll, we'll try to deny everybody else. I love that. So then, so you just go man then at that point. Yeah, and, and I don't even have anybody on him. I, I have my whoever his defender is, just trying to look for where his most likely pass is. And if you think about it, every team probably has one. We all have a guy who it would kill us if he was the guy bringing the ball up the, up right. against the press every time. So, right, and that goes into your scout. Like, we, if this guy catches it, fold in. I love that. Yeah. Right. And so that may not be politically correct, so you may need to come up with another, <laughs> another Yeah, I'm not sure Doric – I'm not sure where Doric would be. That's, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Uh, but Don Meyer wasn't politically correct. So no, okay. he was not. But he was he was a innovator, let me tell you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I got to spend some time with him before before he passed. I was fortunate enough to – to be a part of his coaching clinics and his coaching school that he used. To I know. Have. I, uh, I always, he always used to hand out all these colored things and I still yeah. find them every once in a while, you know, it's like I'm well, cleaning stuff out and he's still got, he's got a website with all of his handouts on it. It's, oh, he does. it's awesome. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so do you want me to go through these? Uh, sure. Yeah. Just go through here? these. I want to see the stunts too. So this is good. Yeah. Okay. Base press. Um, you know, I, I do my shifts out of a 2-2-1 a little bit differently. Uh, UConn, when uh, Calhoun was there, the way that they did it is the way that that I, I shift now and who I trap with, but it's not always the way that I do it. It just fit my personnel this year, and I've got some diagrams here while I'll, I'll okay. show what I mean. Up is when, you know, we have one-syllable words for everything that we do. I don't think your guys can handle – two syllable words so everything we do is just one one command it's like a dog a dog's right. can dogs can only hear one syllable so that's, that's spot right. yeah like yeah. Yeah. so up, down i love that up is our aggressive and we can trap anywhere uh i prefer most of the time to trap after a half court if i'm in a zone trap 
just because I don't like him to be able to go backwards and right. that gives people a lot of problems with a shot clock. Um, but that's, that's where I'm at now down, down is where we're closer to our basket. We're defending. It's, it's really just to take time. I'm trying to force that ball reversal that I talked about. Um, I use it with the freak defense. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that, but you know, you do so many passes, uh, where you're in a two, three zone and then whatever number you give it, uh, after that third or fourth pass, you're into man to man. And so we do that a lot and that takes up a lot of clock. We do that when we play against D1 teams and it doesn't matter if they know that it's coming. It just, it does take time. And if I can get D1's teams to be, you know, shooting in the last uh, eight or nine seconds of their clock, you know, the more times I do that, the better. And that's helped us stay close against, you know, really superior opponents. Okay. Uh, go is our run and jump, which I can do out of man. I can do out of a two, two, one, whatever. Um, and I could do it out of my two, one, two alignment. The number is just what I was talking about with the freak defense after whatever number of passes we go to man. Uh, so we go from down into man after say two to three passes. Uh, and, uh, so here's up just really aggressive. Uh, I bring, so I bring in Yukon, I bring the three to trap X one and X three on the sideline there. Okay. Um, but you know, most of the time I like X1 and X2 to be my trappers in the 221 but but this year I didn't do it that way. Right. So then how do you stop like one how do you stop one just getting the momentum and not throwing it over to two then on the sideline? Um you know if you were able to see what I start off with a, with that Andy Lander stuff and how I teach the man to man defense, you know, he's just X3 is stunting a lot. He's okay. coming up like he's about to trap, and then he's running back down the sideline. Okay. He's like and, fake trapping, yeah. Right. And so X3, he's the one that says now. And when he says now, everybody on the court knows that he's going to trap. I don't care if the ball handler knows it. In fact, I prefer that he knows it. Right. So when, when X1, let's say he gets up to that hash mark and he sees that X3 is about to trap him, you know, he wants to get rid of it and throw it to that too. And X5 takes that away. Okay. Uh, that's just our, our basic uh, aggressive. Again, down is just, you know, we see we're picking up at the top of the three-point circle. We're looking for ball reversals. We're not really looking to do anything. I do this a lot when we're ahead in the second half, and I just want them to, without fouling or anything, without putting my team in a chance to, you know, keep the clock stopped i want that clock to keep going and so we just use this as our slowdown offense so it's the opposite the opposite guard in that last one is basically taking the middle away right like sinking in that middle and taking away the five or whoever that's a one three one break yeah breaking right. it with a one three one okay um go that's the run and jump and so you know you're you're in forest larson area and eddie andrist uh two guys that have done this really really well and Anything I've got from the run and jump, I've got from those two Wisconsin guys. Right. But, you know, X3 comes and traps when the ball handler, when he sees the back of the ball handler's head, when the ball handler can't see him coming. Um, and then everybody is on a, on a clock, basically. When they see, when X3 yells, go, um, 
everybody knows we're in the running running trap. Actually. So what's X one? X one's trying to keep, the the one's trying to keep him on the sideline. Right, and then he jumps up ahead and, and stops his forward progress to get the guy to turn. And when the guy goes to turn with his left hand, X three has shutting the door there. And so, if we can get that turn and he goes to turn back to the middle of the court to pack it, pass it back to X four, and he's you know, he's going from his right hand, trying to pass with his left hand. That's where crossing your arms really, really helps. I mean, what kind of pass is he going to make? Right. You know, from right there. Hey, everybody. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe, like, jump up and down, review, do whatever you got to do. Um, also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.